What a thrill you have. You are now tuned in to the caucus ways. So just sit back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, my faithful Far, Far Away family? I'm your host, Kyle, and you are now tuned into the most exciting show on the web, Star Wars Audio Archives. And this is the final part of this story. I hope you've enjoyed your journey so far, and you are ready for one last blast through the galaxy far, far away. It's been a wild ride, and we are grateful that we could share it with you. Now let's get ready to experience the Star Wars universe one last time before we get to the season finale and the giveaway, which will be next week. So make sure that you get them emails in or join the Sway family so you will be entered into that giveaway. Now this episode is going to be the ultimate send-off. We're going to find out what happens to all the characters that we have come to love these past months with enough Star Wars magic to last you until the next season. So light up your lightsabers, prime your blasters, and let's go out with the bang. Are you ready for one last adventure through the Star Wars Old Republic's Deceive? This is it, folks. The final episode of the story. Let's do this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Epilogue. Night and controlled rage wrapped Malgus. His anger smoldered always now, and his thoughts mirrored the Caligna's air. He had taken a ship in secret from the unknown regions where he was currently stationed and made his way to the planet. No one knew he had come. He focused on keeping his force signature suppressed. He did not want anyone to learn of his presence prematurely. A sliver of moon cut a narrow slit in the dark sky, painted everything in grays and blacks. The stone wall of the compound, eight meters tall, rose before him its surface as rough and pitted as Malgus's mean. Drawing on the force, he augmented a leap that carried him up and over the wall. He landed in a well-tended garden courtyard. Sculpted dwarf trees and bushes cast strange malformed shadows in the moonlight. The gentle sound of a fountain mixed with the night hum of insects. Malgus moved through the garden, a deeper darkness among the shadows, his boots soft on the grass. A few lights lit the windows of the rectangular manse that sat in the center of the grounds. The manse, the garden, the fountain, all of it looked similar to some soft world in the Republic. Some decadent Jedi sanctuary where so-called Force scholars pondered peace and sought tranquility. Malgus knew it was folly. 
empires and the men who ruled empires could not stay sharp when surrounded by comfort, by peace, by love. Low voices sounded from ahead, barely audible in the stillness. Malgus did not slow and made no attempt to hide his approach as he emerged from the darkness of the garden. They saw him immediately, two imperial troopers in half-armor. They leveled their blaster rifles. Who in the... He drew on the force, gestured as if he were shooing away insects, and sent both of the troopers flying against the wall of the manse, hard enough to crack bones. Both sagged to the ground, unmoving. The black eyes of their helmets stared at Malgus. He walked between their bodies and through the sliding doors of the manse, reminded of his attack on the Jedi Temple back on Coruscant. Except then, Alina had accompanied him. It seemed a lifetime ago. Thinking of Alina blew oxygen on the embers of his anger. In life, Alina had been his weakness, a tool to be exploited by rivals. In death, she had become his strength, her memory the lens of his rage. He resided in the calm eye of a storm of hate. Power churned around him, within him. He did not feel as if he were drawing on the Force, using it. He felt as if he were the Force, as if he had merged with it. He had evolved. Nothing split his loyalties any longer. He served the Force and only the Force, and his understanding of it increased daily. The growing power whirling around him, leaking through the lid of his control, made the suppression of his Force signature impossible. All at once, he lowered all of the mental barriers, let the full force of his power roil around him. Address! He shouted, putting enough power into his voice to cause the ceiling and walls to vibrate. Address! He strode through the rooms and hallways of Adras's retreat, toppling or destroying everything within reach. Antique desks, the bizarre, erotic statuary favored by Adras, everything. He left ruin in his wake, all while shouting for Adras to show himself. His voice rang off the walls. He rounded a corner to see a squad of six Imperial troopers in full armor, blaster rifles ready. The front three on one knee before the other three. They had been waiting for him. His force-enhanced reflexes moved faster than their trigger fingers. Without slowing his pace, he pulled his lightsaber into his hand and activated it as the blasters discharged. The red line of his weapon spun so fast in his hand, it expanded into a shield. Two of the blaster shots ricocheted off his weapon and into the ceiling. He deflected the other four back at the troopers, putting black holes through two chests and two face masks. Another two strides and a lunge brought him upon the surviving two troopers before they could fire again. He cross-cut, spun, and cross-cut again, killing both. He deactivated his lightsaber and continued on through the manse until he reached a large central hall, perhaps 15 meters wide and 25 long. Decorative wood columns that supported upper balconies lined its length at even intervals. A pair of double doors stood on the far side of the hall, opposite those Malgus had entered. Lord Adras stood within the open doorway. He wore a black cloak over his elaborate armor. Malgus, Adras said, his voice showing surprise. 
but his tone turning Malgus's name into an insult. You are in the unknown regions. I am in the unknown regions. Adras understood the implication. I knew you would come one day. Then you know I am here for you. Adras ignited his lightsaber, shed his cloak. <laughs> for me, yes. He chuckled. I understand you, Malgus. Understand you quite well. You understand nothing, Malgus said and stepped into the room. Malgus felt the hate pouring off Adras, the power, but it paled in comparison to the rage and hate roiling in Malgus. In his mind's eye, he saw Elena's face as she died. It poured fuel on the flames of his rage. Adras, too, stepped into the room. Do you think that your presence here is a surprise? That I have not long foreseen this? Malgus chuckled, the sound loud off the high ceiling. <laughs> you have foreseen it, but you cannot stop it. You are a child, Adras, and tonight you pay. Angrel is not here to protect you. No one is. Adras scoffed. I have hidden my true power from you, Malchus. It is you who will not leave here. Then show me your power, Malchus said, sneering. Adras snarled and held forth his left hand. Force lightning crackled from his fingertips, filled the space between them. Malgus interposed his lightsaber, drew the lightning to it, and started walking toward Adras. The power swirled around the red blade, sizzling, crackling, pushed against Malgus, but he strode through it. The skin of his hands blistered, but Malgus endured the pain, paid it as the price of his cause. As he walked, he spun his blade in an arc above his head, gathering the lightning, then flung it back at Adras. It slammed into his chest, lifted him bodily from the ground, and threw him hard against the far wall. Is that your power? Malgus asked, still advancing, cloaked in rage. That is what you wish to show me? Adras climbed to his feet, his armor charred and smoking. A snarl split his face. Malgus picked up his pace, turned the walk into a charge. His boots thumped off the wood floor of the hall. He did not bother with finesse. He vented his rage in a continuous roar as he unleashed a furious series of blows. An overhand slash that Adras parried, a low stab that Adras barely sidestepped. A sidekick that connected to Adras's side, broke ribs, and flung Adras fully across the narrow axis of the hall. He crashed into a column, and the impact split it as would lightning a tree. Adras growled as he climbed to his feet. Power gathered around him, a black storm of energy, and he left at Malgus, his blade held high. Malgus sneered, gestured, seized Adras in his power, and pulled him from the air at the apex of his leap. Adras hit the ground in a heap, his breath coming in wheezes. He climbed to all fours, then to his feet, favoring his side, his blade held limply before him. You hid nothing from me. Malgus said, and the power in his voice caused Adras to wince. 
You are a fool, Adras. Your skill is in politics, incurring favor with your betters. Your understanding of the Force is nothing compared to mine. Adras snarled, started to charge toward Malgus, a last-ditch attempt to salvage his dignity, if not his life. Malgus held forth his hand, and the rage within him manifested in blue veins of lightning that discharged from his fingertips and slammed into Adras. The power stopped Adras's charge cold, blew his lightsaber from his hand, caught him up in a cage of burning lightning. He screamed, squirming in frustration and pain. End it, Malgus! End it! Malgus unclenched his fingers and released the lightning. Adras fell to the ground, his flesh smoking, the skin of his once handsome face blistered and peeling. Again he rose to all fours and looked up at Malgus. Angru will avenge me. Angru will suspect what has happened here, Malgus said and strode toward him. But he will never know, not for certain. Not until it is too late. Too late for what? Adras asked. Malgus did not answer. You are mad, Adras said, and leapt to his feet and charged. He pulled his lightsaber to his fist and activated it. The attack took Malgus momentarily by surprise. Adras loosed a flurry of strikes, his blade a humming red blur as he spun, stabbed, slashed, and cut. Malgus backed off a single step, another, then held his ground, his own blade in answer to all of Adras's attacks. Adras shouted as he attacked, the sound that of desperation, filled with the knowledge that he was no match for Malgus. Finally, Malgus answered with an attack of his own, forcing Adras back with the power and speed of his blows. When he had Adras backed up against the wall, he cross-cut for his head. Adras ducked under, and Malgus cut a column of heat. As the huge upper piece of the column crashed to the floor, and the balcony lurched above them, Adras fell to one knee and stabbed at Malgus's chest. Malgus spun out of the way and rode the spin into a chop that severed Adras's arm at the elbow. Adras screamed and clutched his arm at the bicep while his forearm fell to the floor along with the column. Malgus had taught the lesson he'd come to teach. He deactivated his lightsaber, held up his left hand, and made a pincer of his fingers. Adras tried to use his own power to defend himself, but Malgus pushed through it and took telekinetic hold of Adras's throat. Adras gagged, the capillaries in his wide eyes beginning to pop. Malgus's power lifted Adras from the floor, his legs kicking gasping. Malgus stood directly before Adras, his hate, the vice, closing on Adras's trachea. You and Angro caused this Adras, and the Emperor. There can be no peace with the Jedi, no truce. He clenched his fist. There can be no peace at all, not ever. Adras's only answer was continued gagging. Seeing him there, hanging near death, Malgus thought of Alina, of Adras's description of her. He released Adras from the clutch of his force choke. Adras hit the ground on his back, gasping. 
Mulgus had a knee on his chest and both his hands on his throat before Adras could recover. He would kill Adras with his bare hands. Look me in the eyes, he said, and made Adras look at him. In the eyes! Adras's eyes showed petechial hemorrhaging, but Mulgus knew he was coherent. You called her a mongrel, Mulgus said. He removed his gauntlets, took Adras by the throat, and began to squeeze. To my face, you called her that! Adras blinked, his eyes watering. His mouth opened and closed, but no sound emerged. You are the mongrel, Adras! Mulgus bent low, nose to nose. Mongrel's mongrel, and you and those like you have mongrelized the purity of the Empire with your pollution, trading strength for a wretched peace. Adras's trachea collapsed in Mulgus's grip. There was no final cough or gag. Adras died in silence. Mulgus rose and stood over Adras's body. He pulled on his gloves. Adjusted his armor, his cloak, and walked out of the manse. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The rising sun peaked over the mountains on Dantooine, and the thin clouds at the horizon line looked to have caught fire. Shadows stretched over the valley, gradually receding as the sun rose higher. The trees whispered in a breeze that bore the scent of loam, decaying fruit, and the recent rain. Zerid stood in the midst of the damp dirt and the tall grass under the open sky and faced the fact that he had no idea whatsoever about what he should be doing. Probably sowing seeds, he supposed, or crafting vines, or testing the soil or something. But it was all a guess. He glanced around as if there might be someone nearby whom he could ask for assistance. But the next nearest farm was twenty clicks to the west. He was on his own. Same as always, he said to himself with a smile. After getting clear of Coruscant, he'd flown to Volta, scooped up Nat and Era, and fled deeper into the Outer Rim. There, he'd sold Razor and its cargo on the black market, and with the credits he'd earned, bought Nat her own home, and bought him and Era an old vineyard, long unused for growing, from an elderly couple. He'd become a farmer of sorts, or at least a farm owner, just as he told Aaron he would. Thinking of Aaron... Especially her eyes made him smile. 
but the smile curled down under the weight of bad memories. He had never seen her again after leaving Coruscant. For a time, he'd tried to learn what happened to her, but a search of the holonet turned up nothing. He knew, however, that Darth Malgus had lived. He presumed that meant Aaron had not, and he'd been unable to tell Era why Daddy sometimes cried. And he still secretly hoped the presumption was wrong, that she'd escaped somehow, remembered who she was. He thought of her every day, her smile, her hair, but especially her eyes. The understanding he saw in them had always drawn him to her, still did, though he was drawn only to her memory now. He hoped she'd found whatever she'd been seeking before the end. He looked around his new estate, at the large home he and Era rattled around in, at the various outbuildings that held equipment he did not know how to operate, at the row upon row of trellises that lined the fallow vine fields, and he felt free. He owed no one anything, and the exchange would never find him. Even if they somehow realized that he was still alive, he owned land, a home, and had enough credits left over to hire a crew that could help him turn the land into a decent winery within a year or two. Or maybe he'd convert the farm and grow tobacco. Months earlier, he could not have imagined such a life for himself. Grinning like a fool, he sat down in the center of his plot of dirt and watched the sunrise. A black dot above the horizon drew his eye. A ship. He watched it, unconcerned, until it started to get larger. He could not yet make out its lines, but he could see its course. It was heading in his direction. A flash of panic seized him, but he fought it down. His eyes went to the house where Eris slept. He turned his gaze back to the ship. He disliked unidentified ships descending from the sky in his direction. They always reminded him of the gully jumper he'd watched crash into the Jedi Temple. They always reminded him of Aaron. They could not have found us, he said. It's nothing. The ship grew still larger as it closed the distance. It was moving fast. From the tri-wing design, he made it as a BT-7 Thunderstrike, a multi-use ship common even out on the rim. He stood as it closed. He could hear the deep bass hum of its engines. Daddy! Era's voice turned his head around. She had come out of the house and sat in the wooden swing chair on the covered porch of the house. She smiled and waved. The rain's gone, she said. Get in the house, Era! He shouted, pointing at the door. But Daddy... Get inside, right now! He did not bother to see if she complied. The ship probably had not seen him yet. The trellises and their veins of browning vines would have concealed him from an airborne viewer. He ducked low and darted toward the edge of the field, sheltering as best he could behind one of the trellises. He pulled some dead vines from it so that he could look through to the open area of the edge of the field where the ship was likely to put down, if it was coming to his farm. He spared a glance back at the house and saw that Era had gone back inside. He reached down to his ankle holster and pulled out the E3 he kept there, then reached around to the small of his back for the E9 he kept there. He chided himself for not wearing his ordinary hip holster with its twin Blastech 4s. Era disliked seeing the weapons, so he'd taken to wearing only those he could carry in concealed holsters. 
but little E-series pop guns would have trouble doing much to someone in ablative armor. Again, if the ship was coming to his farm. The ship came into view, and he noted its lack of markings. Not a good sign. It slowed, circled the farm, and he tried to make himself small. Its engines slowed, and its thrusters engaged. It was coming down. He cursed, cursed, and cursed. Tension coiled within him, but he still felt the habitual calm that always served him well in combat. He reminded himself not to shoot until he knew what he was facing. It was possible that whoever was in the Thunderstrike intended him no harm. Another local, maybe, or an official on an unmarked ship. But he doubted it. If they were agents of the Exchange, he wanted to take at least one alive to find out how they'd tracked him down. The ship sat down, its skids sinking into the wet ground. The engines wound down but did not turn off. He could see the pilot through the transparisteel canopy. A human man in the jacket, helmet, and glasses that seemed to be the bush pilot uniform out on the rim. He was talking to someone or someones in the rear compartment, but Zeri could not see who. He heard the doors on the far side of the ship slide open, then close. He still could not see anyone. The ship's engines wound back up slightly, the thrusters engaged, and it started to lift off. He gave it a few seconds to get up in the air and engage its engines fully, then stepped out from behind the trellis. A single figure walked toward his home. A human woman with short hair, dressed in baggy trousers and a short coat. He leveled both blasters at her back. Do not take another step. She stopped and held out her hands to either side. He started to circle so he could see her face. Are you going to shoot at me every time we meet? The sound of her voice stopped him in his tracks, sent his heart racing, stole his breath. Aaron? She turned, and it was her. He could not believe it. The first words out of his mouth were ridiculous. Your hair? She ran her hand through her shorn hair. Yeah, I needed a change. He heard the seriousness in her tone and answered in kind as he walked toward her. His legs felt unsteady under him. I know what you mean. She smiled softly, and it was the same as it had ever been, as warm as the rising sun. I looked everywhere for you, she said. I wanted to make sure you were all right. I looked for you too, he said. But there was nothing... I watched every hollow story about the Jedi. It said they were leaving Coruscant. Her expression fell. I resigned from the Order, Zerid. He stopped in his tracks. You what? I resigned. Like I said, I needed a change. I thought you meant your hair. She smiled at that, too. Then indicated the blasters with her eyes. Are you going to put those away? He felt himself color. Of course, I mean, yes. Right. He holstered both his weapons, hands shaking. How did you find me? You said you'd become a farmer on Dantooine. She held her arms out to the side, indicating the landscape. And here you are. And here I am. Don't worry, she said, anticipating his concern. No one else could find you. Just me. 
Just you. Just you. He was smiling stupidly, echoing her words, and probably looked like a fool. He didn't care. She was smiling too, and he could take no more. Stang, Aaron, he said. He ran toward her and scooped her into his arms. She returned his embrace, and he pulled her tighter, felt her body against his, inhaled the smell of her hair. He enjoyed the moment, then held her at arm's length. Wait! How did you... Get off Coruscant? Moldus! She nodded. We reached an understanding of sorts. He wanted to ask about the Twi'lek, but was afraid of the answer. Perhaps she felt his emotional turmoil, or perhaps she knew him well enough to anticipate the question. Even after you left, I did not hurt her. Alina, I mean. I left her with Molgus. I don't know if I did her any favors, though. He hugged her again, more relieved than he would have expected. I'm glad, Aaron. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you're here. Tears leaked from his eyes. She was not sure why. She pushed him back and studied his face. What is it? You're upset. Words pushed up his throat, but he kept them behind his teeth. He remembered the airlock on Razor, but shook his head. Wrath was his weight to carry. It's nothing. I'm, I'm just glad to see you. An understanding with Malgus? What does that mean? He let me go. You what? Aaron nodded. He let me go. I still don't understand why. Not fully. Are you still hunting him? A shadow passed over Aaron's expression, but her soft smile brightened her face and chased it away. She put her fingers on a necklace she wore. A stone hung from a silver chain. Zerid thought it was a nautilin jewel of some kind. No, I'm not hunting him. When I faced him, I felt his hate. His rage. She shuddered, wrapped her arms around her slim body. It was like nothing I'd encountered in a Sith before. He lives in a dark place. And I... Did not want to follow him there. Zerid understood better than she knew. He lived in his own dark place. You don't want to carry that, he said to her. To himself. No, she said. I don't want to carry that. He shook off the darkness and forced a smile. Will you be staying for a while? Before Aaron could answer, Era's voice carried from the house. Daddy... Can I come out now? He waved her out, and she threw open the door, bounded across the porch, down the stairs, and across the swath. Aaron grabbed her by the arm. She's running, Zerid. Prosthetics, he said, and his eyes welled anew to see her running toward him with Aaron at his side. When Aaron reached them, she stopped before them out of breath. Her curly hair must, her eyes curious, and her smile wide. She extended a small hand, all serious. Hello, my name is Era. Erin knelt down to look her in the eye. Taking her hand, she said, I'm Erin. Hello, Era. It's nice to meet you. You have pretty eyes, Era said. Thank you. Zirid spoke his hopes aloud. 
I think Aaron is going to stay with us for a while. Wouldn't that be nice? Aaron nodded. Aren't you, Aaron? Staying for a while? Aaron rose, and Zirid's hopes rose with her, fragile, ready to be dashed. When she looked at him and nodded, he grinned like a fool. Do you like to play grab ball? Aaron asked her. You can teach me, Aaron said. How about some food? Zirid said. Race you! Aaron said and sprinted for the house. Zirid and Aaron fell in behind her, all three of them laughing. Free. Now that was a great end to the story. It had action, suspense, and a little love. Malgus took his revenge on Adra, storming his compound and killing him. Then we had Zedrid and Aaron sharing a kiss, as Zedrid's handicapped daughter Aaron walked around with her new legs. He had became a farmer like he said he would, and now he had an ex-Jedi for a girlfriend. But the galaxy is still at war, so there is more Old Republic stories to be told. But before we can get to any more stories, we have one more thing that we have to get to before the end of this season and this episode, and that is the last quote of the season. And it comes to us from Jedi Master Vin Zalo. He said, success is measured by how we face adversity. If we can stare it down unflinchingly, we can move on to the next challenge with confidence. So success is not about achieving our goals, but also about how we face the ops and challenges that come our way. Adversity is part of life, but it is how we handle it that makes all the difference. When we face challenges head on and don't let them get the best of us, we can move on to the next challenge with more confidence and determination. Imagine you are learning to ride a bike. You may fall off a few times before you get the hang of it, but the important thing is to keep on trying. Even when it's tough, even when you fall off, you get back up, dust yourself off, and keep pedaling. It's the same with anything in life. Some things won't go as planned. But if you keep on trying and don't give up, you'll get there in the end. Remember, success is not just about the end result, but also about the journey. It's about pushing ourselves to be better and stronger and facing adversity with a determination and resilience. So the next time you face a challenge, don't be discouraged. Instead, see it as an opportunity to grow and learn and use it as fuel for success. And I think that's about it for this episode. Join us next week for the season finale. We have some big news to share. Plus, as always, the season finale giveaway. Yes, you heard it right. As always, we're going all out. Trust me, you won't want to miss this episode. So until next week, may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archive. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Kenai Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel and it was distributed by Sway Cast Network. Star Wars The Old Republic Deceived was read to you by Jason Ordega. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host Kyle and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.